All right, and welcome back to the Dot 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 podcast. Uh, last episode, uh, me and Adam went over all this stuff, but we decided to go ahead and I wanted to pick up with you and talk to you about how how they will restart and turn the economy back on. And you kind of referred to it as these industries can reopen. These industries, maybe not so much, or you, you kind of... Like, what did you mean by that? Were you Do you envision that it's going to be a, a gradual thing with specific industries? Yeah. And I mean, at the risk of sounding, you know, uh, like a pessimist, it's it, the industries that are going to that are going to be reopened first are going to be the industries who have probably either lobbied the strongest or the hardest to be considered essential or the most important um, or the or the industries who basically just need the money the most, be it um, uh, the airline industry. Anybody who's getting a bailout, basically, I'm guessing, is probably going to be one of the first industries to reopen. Um, one of the things that you discussed um, in the previous episode actually was how um, you know we're getting we're getting money from the government that's going to be basically a tax credit for next year while a lot of businesses small businesses are basically getting grants like they're they're not loans they're grants but the individual taxpayer has to pay it back i, I don't understand so which industries are those going to be i have no idea i mean are they going to reopen the airline industry really hard because that seems like a pretty good way to spread this thing a lot more but, um, but, but going along with that like just because you you reopen it and you say oh we've resumed all flight routes that doesn't mean that like the consumer is going to go running. Yeah, some business, like some some industries are reliant on that. You know, certain like avenues of business, they need to be able to commute and travel back and forth for business. So yeah, they're going to jump right back on their flights. But you know, a lot of a lot of that is tied to tourism. I don't think that tourism is going to be. Uh, I mean, commercial- I don't think twenty twenty is going to be a banner year for anybody in the tourism industry. No, commercial aviation is so crucial to every single aspect of our life i mean everything right. like they you have to move stuff you have it's not just about people you have to take packages you have to and you know of course people but you have to take product you have to do things like that and a lot of those things piggyback on passenger flights um and you know i mean i, I think the airline's gonna be one of the first ones to get you know they're going to you know you know trying to open them back up. Nobody's going to be traveling, but they have to do something. Like once again, this it'll come down to how much personal responsibility people want to take, um, and how how much they're limited in doing in doing so. You know what I mean? Like how much how responsible can you be if you're mandated to do something via the government or your employer? Um, so, but you say, but you say, you use the term industries, right? And I look around and I'm like, okay, well, a lot of retail is still open and functioning. Not all, but a, a significant amount of retail is still functioning. Um, you know, like even the local Best Buy that I have here, they have like a, uh, like a tarp, like a canopy out front. You can drive up and be like, Hey, uh, I need to get me, you know, two pairs of AirPods and a, a Dyson vacuum and they'll be like, okay, we'll be right back. They run inside, go get it for you and bring it out. I mean, I don't know anybody that's actually shopping that way. Um, but they, they still are 
are, are available to people kind of the same way as the, in, the airline industry. Uh, they haven't stopped. They haven't grounded flights. I mean, no. if anybody, if anybody's been following this podcast, they know that I'm still pretty irritated with American airlines because they still are holding like $1,200 of mine ransom for a flight that I probably don't feel too comfortable to go take. So they're going to continue to, to make money. So I start thinking of like what industries are truly shut down. Um, and I, Anybody that's listening, I'm sorry if I don't account for your industry. It's literally my own ignorance. Um, but, you know, I think of something like the the entertainment industry of any kind, whether it be sports or anything like that. You know, what what is what does resuming professional sports look like? Hmm. You know, going to a, a, sport, a sports event, to go see a baseball game or a hockey game or a football game. Like, you're not going to sit with your knee, you know, nine inches from the guy in front of your shoulder. No, you know, for nine inches, for the what foreseeable are you future. At? Are you in a box seat, man? You're crammed into those things. Nine inches is a dream, right? You know, it's just it's super tight quarters. Um, I'm not rushing to go to go do that anytime soon. So, what are what are these industries like? An industry like that, for example, or concerts or something like that. Like, what are what does that look like? I think you ahead? can kiss. They, I think you can kiss concerts, nightclubs, bars goodbye for a minute. I really do. Um, it, I mean, I can see restaurants opening up some. The sports thing is really interesting, um, and here's why. It is such a huge part. I mean, it, it goes without saying, it's such a huge part of um, you know American society to you know be a sports fan or to you know take part in some yeah, sort part of, of sporting culture. event. Well, yeah, it's part of the culture, you know. If I was reading an article earlier about how, you know, if the NFL decides to postpone or cancel a season or something, like a third of all cable subscribers will probably cancel because that's why they have cable. Yep. You know, and so that affect. think about what that affects. If you don't have football, you don't have near as many wings or pizzas being delivered. You don't have nearly as much beer being drank. You don't have, you know, there are tons of little things that are affected. You don't have nearly sports memorabilia stores, um, yep. just, just sporting goods uh, companies in general. You know, kids watch sports teams and have heroes and want to go do that thing because of that, you know. Advertising um, expenses and budgets and the the need to advertise to people for televised events that people that aren't being televised. Totally. You know? I mean now now companies have to get creative in the way that they're going to market to people. I mean and you have you have companies who have to get creative with creating content to replace that content that is now gone. You know, like mm-hmm. and how do you do that when, you know, what about what about the entertainment industry? That's not necessarily a I mean right now I would say entertainment industry is pretty crucial because that's what's keeping everybody, you know, to in some sort of lull, you know, but like there's only so much stuff on Netflix and yeah, like you're not going to run out. I mean, there's thousands and hundreds of there are thousands and thousands of hours of stuff, but some stuff you just don't want to watch. So when oh, yeah. can those people get back together and start making TV shows again? They're going to have, I mean, I don't, I don't know if you watched any of the SNL that they attempted on Saturday night, but I just saw like this morning on like the today show or something like that. They were talking about how it I went. I didn't, that, I didn't watch it. I would say that Tom Hanks summed it up pretty well at the end of his uh, monologue from his house where he said, you know, it's SNL. You're going to have some good stuff. You're going to have a few stinkers. You know, what else do you expect? He literally (laughs) says that. And that's exactly what it was. It was, you know, there there was, you know, the energy wasn't the same, you know, and how could it be? And there was some really funny stuff and there was some stuff that was really stupid. I mean, just bad. Just like, God, I- Well, you got to think like they- they're trying, they're, they're like experimenting with a whole new method of delivery and- and who like I remember I remember when I was 
I don't know. How old was I? I was probably like 12 or 13. Maybe like, yeah, like 10, 12, 13, somewhere in there. Like when they start, when reality TV like started becoming a thing, you know, that wasn't a thing ever prior to that. Mm -hmm. It was very, very corporate, um, you know, celebrity based entertainment. Yeah. It's sitcoms. If it was going to be on TV and now you have an average Joe crammed in an RV or, you know, living in a house with strangers, you know. An average with, Joe Exotic. <laughs> yeah, right. And it was a it was a different type of television to watch all in all. It's all it's kinda like we're we're trying to feel out what that looks like without somebody saying, I have a deliberate idea. Like with with reality TV, it was somebody saying, Wouldn't it be neat if we had an average Joe? You know, we had the guy next door that you work with that he has to interact with the guy that lives across the street that, you know, like that was, that was new and it was special because somebody thought that up. They thought that it would, it would resonate and, uh, with, with the human psyche and what people might want to see. And it, and it worked out great. You know, you've had all kinds of successful outcomes with that within the entertainment industry, but now we're being forced to do that. And people are being forced to create, you know, yeah, people are being forced to create new, new ways that people might want to consume things well it's just um, everything affects everything else you know what i mean like you were talking about like what industry is going to open up i don't know i mean i can postulate all day long but it doesn't matter because everything everything is interconnected you know everything yep. is interconnected you know there are movie theater chains that are filing for bankruptcy coast to coast um, oh yeah that industry is done, dude. I mean, yeah, the, it's going over. to the theater is like, yeah, it's pretty much over at this point. I mean, they can't they can't hold out for a year. That's just not. Well, they can't hold I out can't for think a of year. A lot but of businesses that could. Every single day that goes by, people are realizing that's expensive to go to a movie theater and not be on, you know, in the comfort of my own home. I think the I think the the movie theater business has been struggling for years to stay relevant. Um. And you know, like they like the last time where where did I go? I haven't been to like I don't really go to the movies anymore. I think a lot of people can say that too. I think it's just kind of a dying thing. But you walk in now and you're like, there's a bar here, and there's a dance floor, and the idea uh, there's a waitress that comes to my seat to take my order and go back and get me a full meal, and they have cocktails. Like, what is this place? I I, I feel like it's honestly like a desperate ploy for for those types of uh, businesses to say this is the only place you need to come on your date night you can have dinner here you can go dancing you can you know you can have cocktails you can watch a movie and then you can look, you can leave look after done. spending two hundred dollars and five hours here but their but their adaptation to the market has been brilliant i mean movie sale like theater sales have gone up exponentially you know like lately i mean look at the movies that have come out in the past decade that are pulling in billions of dollars you know what i mean like and that's what i'm saying like yeah like that that industry might be dead but think about how that affects you know don't think about how it affects you know just the there's no projectionist anymore it's just some computer that streams from somewhere else into some really high quality projector that's all it is now um you know uh, and you know the guy who makes the popcorn yeah he's going to lose his job but think about think about hollywood think about the entertainment industry think about the people who finance movies like you know the the movie houses they they get that huge influx of cash from you know the movie theaters because the movie theaters are basically you know if you pay $18 or $16 for a movie ticket a lot of that is going back to the you know the production company so, so check 
So people Check. at home don't want to spend $13 on the movie they're streaming, or $9 on one movie to stream at home when their entire Netflix subscription costs a dollar more a month. You know, so the entertainment industry is going to be... <laughs> I, who, who knows what's going to happen, but they have basically zero income. There was an article a couple weeks ago about like the box office sales from that week compared to the year prior. And the year prior was like 250 million or something like that. And this year for that week was $5,000. <laughs> it was like less money than a lot of people. Like, oh, just the month. one theater, right? That's it's only like, one theater's numbers, right? And they're like, yeah, no, no, no. Yeah, it's the like whole industry nationwide, like unbelievable. Like that's insane. Um, I, I think that's, I thought that was incredible. I mean, you know, everything affects everything else, you know? I mean, the reason why, you know, I, I don't know, like think about people who make, you know, textile plants and stuff like they're not critical right now, other than them creating masks. Well, if they're not, if they switch back to just making clothes, but people aren't going out to retail and buying and retail's already in trouble. Retail has been in trouble for a long time. You have, oh yeah, you know, stores in your mall that are empty, you know, stores that were there for Sears, for example, you know, was in the mall for 70 years and you used to be able to buy a home out of a catalog from Sears. Now you can't get shit because they don't exist no more. You know what I mean? Like there's nothing, there's, you can't do anything. So, you know, everything is intercorrelated and, and interconnected. And I don't know how you open the whole thing back up slowly. I don't know if you, I don't know how, I don't know who gets affected first. I don't know who gets affected last. Um, you know, my girlfriend is, she, uh, one of her hustles is she provides therapeutic massage. Well, I mean, the CDC has on their website, save lives, don't massage. When does she get to go back to that little hustle <laughs> that she has? You know yeah. what I mean? When do people um, feel safe enough? So the one thing she that, works like, for a management company who books art, or they don't book, but they manage artists who, who have tours booked for them, who play, who play performances and bring in money that way. Like you have to adapt immediately and replace that income immediately. Otherwise right. you're, or otherwise you're totally sunk because you have built your business model around the traditional thing, which is what you would expect to do anyway. Obviously the market changes fast enough as it is for it to change and flip on its head overnight. I mean, all summer shows and tours are canceled, man. All that income, billions, hundreds of billions of dollars is just gone. Yeah, you know. So, and and how do you get it back? And where from? And through what means and medium? Like, obviously, the internet's your only medium. But how do you get people to spend the same amount of money they were going to spend at you know that concert, buying a T-shirt and fourteen beers and spending one hundred and seventy bucks on the ticket? And but God, you know, but geez, I sure do love poison. You know what I mean? Like, so where does that one go? of the things, one one of the things, like I said, like I'm I'm trying to, I'm trying to think of like just to to speculate what what it could look like right and what the first thing i've seen yet that kind of seems a little bit like an answer we talked about you know like the movie industry and things like that and the last episode we talked about uh tiger king and how popular it is and i i, I asked you had you seen the the most recent episode right um well the most recent episode he straight up said like i, I kind of caught some of the detail he said they asked if I wanted to do this. I said, sure. They sent me an iPhone and here I am. And you can tell in the way that it was shot that they sent everybody that they, they interviewed. Essentially, it was like the equivalent of a Skype phone call because everybody is using AirPods. You can tell that and you can, you can tell that 
there's no camera person there. It pretty much just looks like a bunch of uh, FaceTime calls. And then, so they, like, you just think logistically behind, like, if you wanted to make an episode, you know, kind of tying it and comparing it to the, uh, the Talking Dead, right? That was a big production. That was in a studio. They had, you know cameras that are valued at you know half a million bucks a piece or whatever they are you know a set a set designer all that kind of stuff makeup artists uh you know production assistants like a big production right just to put on this one show well they put on just as effective of a product by mailing some iphones and some instructions on how to set it up you know what i mean like yeah they, they said here's an iphone open this app uh, begin the call. Make sure the iPhone is mounted on the uh, include. They probably included a little stand too. You know, make sure it's mounted on here, uh, and then we can. We know we're going to get a clean enough signal. You know this, like because of recording. It's a clean enough signal. I can clean it up later. I can. I can. I can work with anything. Fix but if you over mix, my least favorite phrase. Right, but uh, you know, but if it's an over, if it's a, sh- if it's a shit product, they send you. You can't clean it up. So but you look at the logistics behind that and you're like, okay, this took a brainchild somewhere. Like some producer thought that he could pull this off. Some guy that is capable of editing all the footage together. And then somebody to coordinate, making sure that this stuff goes the right direction and it happens on time. You're like, wow, we didn't have to pay hair and makeup people. We didn't have to, it, the, and they no put grips, out no best they, buy or best boys. I mean, nothing, man. And they put out what gaffers. is probably the most viewed piece of of content right now for pennies on the dollar. Somebody's going to look at how these dollars are being made now, and they're going to be like, "Whoa, uh, how do we continue to profit the same way?" Right? Well, it worked I mean, then. You're and totally, and, and you're the totally best right. part is me as the consumer, I didn't have to go to a movie theater and pay 50, 60 bucks for my family to see it. I did it laying in bed, you know? Well, and it's it the same thing that delivered happened to, to my door. It's the same thing that happened to the, the recording industry after, you know, Pro Tools was exactly. the, the new Everybody standard. could do it at home. You, you could do it. Well, and even before you could do it at home or when it was still very limited at home, the expenditure was so much less to do it in a digital medium as opposed to, you know, an analog medium like tape that, you know, the budgets shrank considerably because they saw they could maximize the profit more off of what a lot of people consider to be an inferior, you know, a sonically inferior product. And, you know, the same thing's going to happen here. But once again, these companies do have to replace their, uh, replace their income. And, you know, whether the demand for um, production quality you know, it remains after this period of time is difficult to determine, but I would imagine that people also want to do things a certain way. You know, people in uh, a filmmaker, you know, a lot of guys, they, they want to be able to record on film with a lot of people, you know, the right lighting and right. stuff. You know, there, there's, a, you know, this, you know, nobody needs to go to a recording studio anymore unless you need to record drums, you know. But some you people really, like you shit, have, but. you know, like you, you still have purists out there. You know, and those, yeah. but un- and unfortunately, though, you know, I'm, I'm yes, there's exceptions to every rule, but I mean, there are purists out there that are like, I still only want to record to tape, and well, yeah. because I think it, I think it sounds a thousand times better, and it's better, 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 better. Well, guess what? Better, better, better doesn't necessarily associate with what the agenda of the business community, you know. So right. there, there's some fantastic albums out there that were 
done on tape that the world will never hear because they just they weren't popular bands. Same with movies, you know. The, of course. The, the question I'm asking though is like big media that that the major consumer wants. Like that's what's going to follow no matter what. What is what can the consumer get on board with to be okay with? Um, I think with the entertainment industry, that is going to change significantly. That, um, and I, and I, I give that example of the Tiger King. When you watch the new episode, you'll see what I'm talking about. You'll be like, "Holy crap! This really was just shot with a bunch of iPhones and and AirPods. Minimal investment, a lot of a lot of guidance and vision. There's a definitely a creative vision there behind it, but the execution required very very little hands on." Um, what uh, what are some other things that the other industries that are highly affected by this, what lengths are they going to go to? You can't throw away professional sports. It's too ingrained into our, into our culture. Um, live entertainment of any kind where people have to go, it will always exist in some way, shape, form, or fashion. I mean, but I think what you're does it see, look like? I think you're going to see a huge growth in VR. I think you're going to see a huge push for... Um, automated yeah, then you're simulating you're simula- exactly. simulating that interaction exactly and you can still have a very small amount of people I've done some audio um, uh, some audio stuff for a company who produces 3d videos um, of you know like bands like or music groups like doing their thing whether it's a live performance or it's a lip sync that's what they do and there's not a lot of people on the crew I mean you're talking 12 people that's not right. a lot of people to and you can even have that, you know, be fewer people that, you know, some of those people are definitely like a little extra. And by the way, if you're a business in, I know in California, if you have, if you're, if you have less than 10 people in your facility, you can still operate. So there's still, you know, there's still ways for people to do that. Um, you know, but I think, I think you're going to see more VR. I think you are going to see a push for more, um, automated trucking services. I think you are going to see more smaller production things or people really slimming down the way they do their productions. There's going to be a lot of union people who are really taking it up the ass, um, at least in the entertainment industry out here. And I don't know how that's going to work. You know, every, right. you know you're know, you used to having all these things. I mean, everything's going to change. Everything's going to be streamlined. Um, you know, I read an article the other day that said, you know, 5% you know, a lot of businesses are, you know, about 5% of businesses estimated are, you know, really looking at moving a lot more of their business to remote, you know, work. So they don't have to pay for the real estate to rent the office downtown or whatever. Yeah, um, completely. You know, it's going to change real estate. It's going to, which is going to change prices on everything. You know what I mean? Like real estate always, drives prices, you know? So I've always got the wheels turning about what I want to do uh, when I retire from the Air Force. Um, anybody that's listening, uh, you can't stay in the Air Force forever. Uh, but once you've done 20 years, you're eligible to quote unquote air quote or air quote, uh, retire, which means, uh, that you'll earn a pension for the rest of your life, but it's not enough to live on for your whole life. Um, so I'm always interested and excited to find out what I'm going to take on next. And I recently ran across a fantastic business idea that if I could pull the trigger on it right now, I would, um, reason being, cause it, it's void of all those things that you just mentioned. It doesn't require that you have an office space. It doesn't require a great deal of investment into to equipment or training or anything like that. It's it's very, um, it's very self sustained in that regard, and you know, big big profits. So, I, but I think 
you know, that that's just a one me, me trying to look at my own type of situation. But I think a lot of companies are going to start thinking like that. Like I know where I work, you know, be even being in the Air Force, I think we're realizing that there's not necessarily a need for me to rub shoulders with, uh, with my coworkers every single day. Is there value to me having an office space? It doesn't help me or hurt me necessarily. So if it doesn't help me or hurt me, you know, what kind of flexibility could I be offered? Um, and that's in, you know, that's in government industry, but you look at, you know, companies that are trying to generate profit and manage profit and, um, you know, lower expenses and man, like it's, this is, I think this is a really good opportunity for people to evaluate those things. I think it is an exciting time. Uh, it sucks that it's coming. It's such a, it's such a, with such pressure, but I, th- I think it is an exciting time for businesses to, to kind of take a look at, at what is going to happen. It's, I, I know for me, it's a really exciting time just to observe because the, the wannabe entrepreneur in me is sitting there going, who's got the great ideas right now? I, I you mean, know, I can just, s- I can just observe. You say exciting. I, I say terrifying. Um, because well, I mean, if we, if we look yeah, at absolutely. how, well, because I mean, yeah, if you're a business who has the ability to weather the storm, you know, you have the financial means to ride this thing out. Um, let's say you're an Amazon, okay? And you've got these huge huge warehouses. And we are all hopefully well aware of the many accusations from employees of Amazon warehouses that, you know, even before this all happened, that the working conditions were subpar. Um, right. You know, they're going to be the very first business to try to automate as, and they already do automate it, as many processes as possible, they're going to push even harder for that because they've got the the value. They, I mean, they've got the, the the money to do it, and it's an investment for their future. I think that we're going to see a huge shift in class. I think this is going to expand the lower class enormously, enormously. So because these, to, I mean, look, I totally McDonald's want- has plenty of money. Why wouldn't they want to automate their workers, their workforce, I, and just have one or two people working there? You know, I completely agree with you. Just to clarify, the only piece of me that thinks this is exciting is the piece of me that is planning a future in business. I, I fortunately am not invested into anything at the moment, uh, but I think it's exciting to see what happens to humanity moving forward. Now, flipping the script, going along with you, I completely think it's an absolutely terrifying time if you were invested into something. And when I say invested, I mean, I don't mean like I own a couple shares in this. I mean, like as a business owner, oh my God, talk about the pressure of, I think corporate business is scary um, just because of how how it can hurt the people that that work for it. But I think smaller businesses are even more terrifying because again, it's like I said, it's, it's that who you support locally, you know, like my next door neighbor, if his employer sends him packing and now he's having trouble paying his rent and keeping up with his home. Now my house is going to suffer, you know, because he's not going to take care of his property and it's going to drive down property values. And next thing you know, you get all the the problems that come along with that. The whole thing is absolutely terrifying. Yeah. Um, I mean, and that's going to happen regardless. I mean, that's, that is, it's almost inevitable, which means what, and what happens then people, individuals or companies, corporations, anybody who has the extra cash is going to come through and swoop up your neighbor's house for 60% of what it's worth now. And then you're going to have a renter 
move in next door. And there's no consistency with that. You're either going to get a good one or you're going to get a bad one. And they're there for either a year or, you know, forever, you know, forever. Yeah. There's, there's, there's nothing you can do about that other than sell your home now and move for less than what you paid for it. And you know, this, this is gonna, this is gonna be crazy. And once again, Think, I mean, you know, I, yeah, I worry about medium, I worry about large, medium, small businesses, but think about the people who don't have skills. Think about the people who work at McDonald's who don't have, they really don't have another skill or people right. who, you know, work at a grocery store who really don't have another skill and small grocery stores go out of business or whatever happens. I'm just making things up. Right. You know, the, well, the, and this, this affects tens of millions of people. You and live in a, when, you live in a big enough city. Do you guys have one of those like, uh, Amazon grocery stores or whatever they are. I think it's Amazon that owns them, but you literally walk in and nobody's there. Uh, I, if, have, I'm sure we do. I haven't been. Are you familiar it. with it? Have you seen? Like, I've, the, I've heard of it. Yes. Yes. I've, yeah. Like there, it's like a trial thing that's going on, but you know, it, it has all sorts of technology built into it that it knows that, you know, there's not enough weight on that shelf any longer, which means you took two loaves of bread off of that shelf. So it's going to calculate that into your, your cart. You know, it's, it's, it's absolutely crazy. Like the world will be ran by computers one day. Maybe Philip was right, man. Our good friend, Philip, he, uh, <laughs> did he tell you this or was it just me? I, it must've just been you. I haven't told Oh dude, this that. is a great, this is a great Philip one-liner. Oh God. He said, uh, whenever he went to hair school, I was like, really, man, you're going to go to hair school. What? What drove that? What sparked that interest? And he's like, well, I got to thinking about it, man. And uh, robots, man. And I was like, excuse me? And he goes, yeah, robots. And I was like, I, I, I'm afraid I don't understand what you're saying. He goes, well, robots are going to take over the world. And I was like, wow, that's that's kind of paranoid uh, you know, perspective. And he goes, yeah, but robots will not be able to cut your hair man <laughs> i was like that that that's what drove you yeah. into a business which ended up being a you know great for him yeah he's doing great uh, yeah he's doing great so like i'm like wow that that, that stoner logic just, <laughs> that stoner logic just really got you but yeah it is it, it's pretty terrifying that um you know, there's there's a lot of truth to that. Not necessarily robots, but automation and things like that are going to put people out of work. And those lower lower skilled jobs, where are those people going to go then? I mean, even medium skilled jobs, you know, I mean, I, and I, I don't know what that is, but I mean, think about, you know, you, you always need somebody that it seems like human intervention is, is important for, yeah. you know, but, but there's just so much, like think about like a welder, you know, like, do you, do you have to have that many welders or can you set it all up in a way where you don't need so many, you just need a boss to come through and make sure that the machine worked well, you right. know, um, it's just, it's just going to keep going that direction. And with the direction our world seems to be going, at least in North America, in the United States, it seems that there are more have, there, there are becoming more there's becoming a greater difference between the haves and the have nots, the have nots. And, um, I, I, I really think we're going to see that grow like big time, especially, you know, with what's going on. And then once again, in eight, over the next eight to 12 months in that time frame, you're going to have another, you're going to have a baby boom. You're going to have a lot of babies being born a lot. And the longer this thing goes on, the more kids, which means the more need for people to provide for these new children, which means more jobs or more money required that are all gone. Right. 
or have not returned yet and, and might not ever return. So what's going to happen? I mean, this is, this is going to be, this is huge. This is going to be an enormous. Well, necessity, necessity is, necessity is the mother of invention. And, and maybe that's more of an optimistic side or it's, it's searching for the answer for exactly what you're saying. I completely agree with you. You know, when those things go away, what's going to fill that need? What, what are those people going to do? They're not going to just like go run out into a field and wither and die. Like they're going to do something. Is it, does it drive crime? Does it create? Cause I mean that, that, that necessity for invention, like they're going to get what they need somewhere because again, it's a necessity now that like in your scenario, they've, they've got to provide for all these babies and whatever. So are they going to turn to crime or are they going to get really creative and be like, Oh, we, we identified a new need that, that mankind wants to get after mankind needs because we no longer, uh, you know, we no longer have, I don't know, welders or, you know, burger flippers or whatever. Like they're going right. to find something Their Nature will find a way to, it's like Jurassic Park. Nature, nature will find a way. Well, um, I, mean, I mean, you know, people will try to do something, but there, you know, there might be limits to what people can do. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. only but so something's going to stick. Something's going to stick somewhere. I mean, I don't see it happening without it being like a big government project. I mean, there's, you can't just overnight turn on 10 or 15 million jobs. If you could, then every president in the past would have done that. They would have been like, oh, we have an no, unemployment rate. Great. Let's just do this and we'll be fine. You know, so but it, I, I, I guess, I guess the more of the question I'm asking isn't so much like, what is the big picture solution? What kind of small nuance creatives are going to come out of this? So maybe not the, you know, so let's say all the burger flippers in the world find themselves unemployed. Fast food completely dies and nobody wants it anymore. So all those people realize that they all had one thing in common. I don't know what it is. Just go with, go along with the, you know. The premise you're making. Yeah, yeah, the premise here. Like they all then turn to this new thing because they realize that based on the, the time that people freed up by not going to fast food. Now they're spending their time doing X, Y, and Z. And now these people have specialized in X, Y, and Z. And instead of staying in the lower, um, you know, socioeconomic status, they've actually leveraged themselves into the middle of the road. You know, I'm not I'm saying not, that's the yeah. way it's going to be, but it, I, like, I like to play with that, that theory in my mind. Yeah. That could mean that the rest of the world is, turns to shit but what is how is humanity changing in such a way that our needs and our desires and our wants and the things that we try to procure how is that going to change with the way as the second and third order effect of the entertainment industry changing you know the entertainment industry changes now you need fewer fewer hands on set so to speak because they're going to do more with uh you know the the handheld technology that they've got okay great so what where do those people go or what, what low value, um, skill that was associated with operating handheld devices now just became the most important thing. I mean, I don't know, you know, that, I mean, that's the $64,000 question. I mean, creatives will always be creative. I mean, it doesn't matter. You don't know? You don't know the answer? I I don't, unfortunately. Why the hell are we even talking, man? I thought you were, I I came for answers. (laughs) It's the only answer I don't have. I mean, creatives are going to be creative. People are going to keep, I mean, that's what, you know, people with iPhones are, have been making movies for 10 years already anyway, 13 right. years already anyway. Um, you know, so that's, 
that's fine. I mean, you know, the creative people will keep doing that. Yeah, the technical side of that, I don't know what those people are going to do. Like, I look at, you know, my job working at a recording studio. Yes, like, I have a position that is that needs to be filled, which is, you know, supporting uh, or, you know, taking care of technical issues and, and faults. Um, but, you know, if there's less people recording or, uh, you know, I, it, it's hard to know, man. It's really, it's really hard to know what that's going to be. Uh, you know, especially with as long as this thing's going to go, man. I mean, it hasn't even been a month. It hasn't been even a month of the right. longest state shutdown. And we still don't have any clarity or any answers on what's going to happen, when it's going to happen, how it's going to happen. And what the result of all of those things is going to be a year from now, five years from now, and and so on and so forth. I mean, it's so it, this this is going to affect life as we know it in probably indeterminate at least indeter at least indeterminately. You know. So my prediction. You want to hear part of my prediction? I do. So part of my prediction is that compared, like, let's so. I'm going to tell this kind of in two or three phases. So go back to like when we were kids. So let's go back like 25 years, right? Um, when we were kids, there were, there were independent outlets for entertainment, but for the most part, uh, the late eighties, early nineties, it, everything was very corporate. What is, what is fed to you is all that's available. Um, meaning like you, you liked metal or, or so you liked music. You either liked the hairband metal that was being offered or you liked the, the R and B that was being offered, but there weren't, and everybody was striving to get to that level, you know, unless you were, you know, on the billboard charts, nobody knew who you were now, um, you know, over the last 15, 20 years, people can kind of custom tailor their taste and for anything that they take in. So you, you went from having cable television or network television and, uh, you know, blockbuster movies and, uh, you know, corporate music that's played on the radio. Now, you know, you have the invention of the MP3 players, you got the internet, you've got all that kind of stuff that comes along. And now you can, it, it made it made the reach a lot bigger. You didn't have to be uh, Steven Spielberg to to make a movie because there were now new outlets for for things to be seen. It wasn't just required that your movie be played in a crazy big theater. Maybe you could make a movie, release it on YouTube, and people were able to see the story that you created. I mean, it's the same way I can work with an artist at the studio who has literally over a billion spins on Spotify, and I have no idea who they are. Exactly. So people can earn credibility and and fame and recognition and not even necessarily fame but people can create something and people can consume that on so many different platforms my prediction with this whole thing is we are starting to realize um new avenues for entertainment and i think that people are looking at an even more a la carte kind of look at things um Meaning that you can completely and totally custom tailor what you want. When you have the biggest celebrities in the world using a cell phone to host a major television show performance, you know, like you gave a, you gave the analogy, you you started uh, explaining Saturday Night Live, right? right? 
So that, you know, that was essentially done over Zoom and, and iPhones at home or an iPad or maybe somebody had a camera. But and it was all edited pretty quickly, probably by a professional, but at the same time, it, it was so much more accessible for them to do that. It wasn't about the glitz and the glam and what was being sold in the in the the delivery vehicle that it was coming out. It was about the, the creativity of the story. Um, there has been a huge rise in popularity of podcasts in the last few years because all you have to do is be two idiots that grew up as friends together and have something to talk about. And next thing you know, you have what sounds like a legitimate radio show, right. you know, and it's not, it, we didn't need to rent out a, re, a, a studio space and script anything. No, we're just sitting down shooting the breeze and we have this thing. And yeah, we don't reach some crazy massive audience of millions and millions of even thousands or even hundreds or even multiple tens right. of listeners. But it's not um, the medium that's holding us back. Right. We are not being limited by anything. Whereas going back to my first analogy or my first scenario, you know, to try to become one of those big bands, you needed a pro sounding re uh, recording and you needed to go to a pro studio and use pro equipment and have a pro ear to, to help manipulate it. And, you know, you had to be professional and now you can kind of polish things up because technology is just, it's right there for us. So I think a lot of people are going to go with a little bit more, I think a, a lot more a la carte type of uh, approach to things that I'm into something that nobody else knows, but it's, it's cause it's completely catered to what I want. I'm into these types of podcasts and this type of music because it's created by people at their own, their own device and they don't need all that support to be coming from the bigger industry. And I think that one of the biggest things that's showing that right now is how many celebrities are just dying to remain relevant and people just don't care. Like, no we could care less that you're trying to inspire and motivate us to make it through these times. Like, just shut up, man. We have all been completely made human by this. Nobody is, nobody is, uh, immune to it. And right. everybody has to go along with the social isolation and social distancing in order to be a part of the society. So you are really not all that special anymore. Yeah. Not in your $40 million house in Calabasas either. You don't offer me anything, right? Any longer, unless, right. and I think they, I think they do to some, but not me personally. And I think people no. are starting to realize that, like the celebrity status of things is just kind of BS now. Uh, the people that we've been idolizing and looking up to, we're starting to see through. Um, you know, we're starting to see how genuine or, you know, or or not that they actually are and what their motivations are. Um, I just I just think that I think this is one thing that is kind of cool is it is a little bit of a reset to to values to people, you know. I think people are starting to realize that they value uh, people and time with those people and those relationships rather than you know what some other crap that's being forced upon us is is being. So I don't know. Maybe that's well, an over romantic I mean, idea, but I, I just no, think that a lot of people are going with a more for a while. I mean, we've been moving that way for a while. I mean, that's. I mean, that's what the technology has brought us. That's why you have your own profile on Netflix and Lacey has her own and the kids have their own or whatever. It's, you know, you're right. catering, everybody's catering to a niche market now and the niche is on an individual basis. Um, mm -hmm. And technology allows that, whether that technology is going to be the fuel behind everybody being able to find employment. I mean, I don't know. I mean, 
it's hard for me to believe that a whole bunch of people can find a place in the workforce when a lot of people can't afford a computer and if they could would not know how to operate one right um or or a cell phone or or whatever not that people don't know how to use cell phones but geez man the other day i was trying to i was helping my girlfriend use zoom first of all i had never even heard of zoom until like two weeks ago and then suddenly it's the biggest thing in the world and right. it also apparently is extremely insecure yeah um, it's malware I was looking at this Zoom thing and I was like, I don't know what to do with this thing. Like, what do I know? You know, like I've never used this before and I, I have to figure out some problem that I don't know what caused it and I don't know how to fix it. Like, and I'm in front of the computer all the time. I mean, literally all the time. So, you know, I don't, I don't know what the ad- adaptation is going to be like for society to do that kind of thing. Um, at least not for everyone. Um, I really don't know what's going to go, what's going to happen with housing and, you know, banks can only, uh, you know, forego taking payment for so long. Um, the Fed can only keep paying out for so long. Um, and that's assuming that none of the trillions of dollars that are being drafted is, you know, none of the transfer of that is being bungled or being, you know, misappropriated or anything. By the way, speaking of misappropriation and uh, and the bungling of uh, correct funding, did you... There was something that I saw the other day that that blew my mind, um, and I'm gonna I'm gonna find it again here real quick because uh, it's right here. It was from April second, and it was from one of the presidential addresses, and it's from one of these guys here, um, one of like the army, like like a military guy. Was it? Uh, let's see. I can't find his name, but it's from one of the addresses. And a reporter is asking why these critical, uh, like why these like critical PPE materials are taking such a long time to get from our national stockpile to hospitals. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you know this or not, but apparently our national stockpile is distributed to commercial retailers and distributors. So it can then be bid on by states so the stockpile that we've already paid for as taxpayers I'm, i presume we've paid for it is then getting given to a like a a retail a retail company basically so the states can bid on that stuff all the while the price is going up because so many states are bidding as well as fema as well as the federal government and right. it is during this address that this guy is sitting here talking like, look, this is just how it works. Like, this is, I'm not going to try to disrupt the system. This is what happens. This is how it works. I, I am shocked. I am shocked and appalled that that's what's happening. Like, it it seems absolutely insane to me. So, and once again, that just gives me more fear about the future. Like, man, nobody's doing anything correctly. It doesn't seem right. You know, seem like. And especially not financially. Um, right. You know, because we're ha- this is all a reaction. We're not, you know, preemptively well, that, doing anything. That was my complaint since day one. I was like, why are we talking about bailing out people when we don't have an end date in sight? It'd be one thing if you said, hey, um, some real bad stuff's about to happen for the next 24 and a half days. We know that it's going to end in 24 and a half days. But to, to help bridge the gap of those 24 and a half days, we need you guys to hang tight. Uh, don't worry. We've worked out this thing. Everybody's going to get a little, you know, you're all going to get a piece of the, the pie and we're going to send you some money and we're going to make it through this 24 and a half days, right? It, like if, but this was, it has no 
get well date associated with it. So the fact that they jumped right back, like you just said, as a reaction and started throwing money at the problem was just like, whoa, you, you didn't even think about the fact that like, like I, I I've said so, several times, like you send my family like $3,000 or whatever it is. Thank you. You know, we'll, we'll make good use of it, you know, but if that's all I had to rely on, I'm going to be asking you for a little bit more money in a, in like six weeks. Yeah. Cause it's a, we're a family of four. We eat some food and we have a mortgage payment and we have a car payment and you know, we have to insure those cars and you know, so it's, we have real needs. So for them to just start throwing money at it right out the gate, I mean that dude, that was like, I think that was the same day that, President Trump acknowledged this is a real issue. Hey, we have a real issue on our hands. We're going to need to exercise social distancing, but don't worry. We've got money coming to you. And you're like, how much? Oh, it's just $2 trillion. Right. And you're like, okay, a number that big, I know you can't, you can't pump that money back out every 30 days or every 60 days. So, there, it's not a sustainable thing by any way, shape, form, or fashion. And I've been scared of that since day one. You know, thanks. Right. It's cool, I guess. It's neat. It's money. You know, we all need it. We all use it. You know, I get it. It's also economic stimulus. But at the same time, it's not sustainable because you don't know the end date. That's no. nobody knows. Nobody knows what life looks like post-coronavirus. Just to give nobody you that. Nobody knows if... if if there is life post coronavirus, because nobody's thought up or nobody's created a vaccine yet, you know, like, no, we don't know. Like, what does the world look like in six months? We don't know. We have some projections and we think we might, we blah, 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 blah. You know, like it's everything is still based on, we think it looks like we're assuming not, it will be this. So if you're saying it will be this, then I can understand throwing money at it. Cause you know what you're, you're committing to. But you're all you're really doing right now is you're just depleting any kind of you know supply that could actually be used for an, an emergency situation later. Yeah, it seems it's like not they're throwing everything at it all at once. Just to give you an idea of how big six trillion was or is six trillion seconds, if you were to count one number per second, is one hundred and eighty nine thousand two hundred and seventy six years. Wow, that gives you an idea of how big. That number, because I think the bailout package is something like the total is like six point four, six point two trillion or something. It's it's astronomical. So um, that seems like we're an not awful the only ones to... doing it, though. I think, no, no, I think we're not the is... only ones doing it. The difference is, is that we're doing it differently than a lot right. of different, uh, a lot of other places are. By the way, I, I read an article two days ago about how citizens in Canada have been going onto their website and been getting their government benefits, and the headline of the article was, "It was so easy, I thought it was fake." <laughs> Like they're, they're, they're just, they're just killing it. You know what I mean? Like they just aren't having these problems, you know? Um, you know, the European, the, the European countries are, are sending most of their money, like to, like most of their bailout money, basically to individuals, um, Mm -hmm. as opposed to like bailing out so many businesses. Yes. Like businesses are the rock, you know, the rock of, you know, any economy or whatever. But if you don't have people to work at those businesses or those people are homeless or, you know, hungry, or whatever they can't work you know they it's or it's going to be a lot more difficult as i um, as i understand it australia broke it down by industry um it wasn't like financial demographic uh cuz i mean you got to admit there's some people 
that their employers are still paying them through this and they will get the stimulus here in America. Um, myself included, you know, right. Like I, yeah. I have a consistent salary based paycheck that isn't changing because of this, but they're also, I'm also going to be one of the people that receives that stimulus. Um, that's not the case as I understand it in Australia. No, they I mean, picked they, out they even, specific, the so, most affected industries. Yeah. They even said, uh, at one of the presidential briefings, like, look, this isn't the most efficient way to do it, but like, everyone's going to get one. Some people don't need it, but everyone's going to get one. Like, really? Right. Like, it, <laughs> so you're telling me that Warren Buffett's going to go out to his mailbox one day and find a check for $1,200. Like you've got to be, no, cause he's outside me. of the, he's outside of the, I, the fiscal I know, cap, but, but, but the, the, my right. point remains, you know what I mean? Like somebody what, who makes $99,000 a year won't get 1200, they'll get less, but like, they're still going to get some dough. Like, I mean, I guess, you know, and a hundred thousand dollars goes different, you know, for a lot of different people. I mean, making a hundred thousand dollars a year in Los Angeles is a lot different than making a hundred thousand dollars a year in Shreveport, Louisiana. Exactly. Um, like a, that's a huge difference. You kind of got to make a hundred thousand dollars out here just to go out to eat, you know? Um, but you know, it just seems weird. Like, oh, you're just going to blanket everybody with this? Like that, I mean, the whole thing is just seems so short-sighted. Just throw some money at it and we'll be fine. But we don't have any plan. There's no plan. What happens in, what's the plan in three months? It's like people that are smart. It's like the people that are smart with matters of the heart or people that are smart with money. It's like we had, we had people that needed to be smart with matters of the heart and, and compassion and humanity, but they thought they could solve the problem by throwing money at it. Right. And I think there's not enough money in the world that'll, that'll resolve the issue. Um, because at no. the end of the day, we still don't have a vaccine. Yeah. People are going to have a couple bucks in their pocket and it's going to all, but all that is, is, um, crowd control. You're just controlling the people from freaking out. It's, it's just, I don't know. The more and more I think about it, I can, I can really go to some paranoid levels in my mind with it. Like, you know, conspiracy theories and all that kind of stuff. I don't think I, I, I truly don't believe there is anything that that crazy sinister about it. I just think that it's not necessarily being the whole the whole approach is not just not the smartest approach to the whole thing ever. And then for me, it, it all stems in not knowing an end date. The if you don't know an end date, don't make no. promises if you don't know when. No anything's going to be no, resolved. They should. The conspiracy thing is going to get real bad too. I mean, Oh yeah. We're, we're going to have a real division in America between the Trumpers and the non-Trumpers. I mean, it's, well, it's going to, I don't even think, crazy. I don't even think in, I don't even think that it's that the, the conspiracy theory is necessarily just tied to Trump and what's not Trump. I think there's conspiracies like developing around us, you know, cause there are going to be people, there are going to be people, I can't talk right now. Um, that are going to try to leverage the situation for their own gain. Everybody's Without scrambling, question. trying. Yeah. Like they're going to, they're just going to scam the the situation. Like they've already said, beware of when you're trying to get your stimulus money, be very, very careful. Do not put any kind of information or data into anything, any kind of database. Don't give your social security number. Don't give your date of birth to anything. If you're inquiring about this money, if you're going to get the money, you will get it. The only thing you should monitor is your own bank account. Don't go to out to any com trackers or anything like that. Where is my mm-hmm. stimulus? Like those things do not exist. Those are all phishing schemes um, or scams. So, you know, 
that in itself, you're already seeing the ugly side of, of humanity. People are trying to take what's being given as federal aid <laughs> or just take advantage you know, of the situation in general. There's an article trying on to steal Poli- my welfare Holy on crap. Politico from March 27th. And it discusses there's a long, there was a long time. I'm just going to read it. A long time Republican fundraiser sent an email to his clients on Thursday, abruptly announcing that he would no longer be working for them. Uh, and the email says, over the last 14 days, I have built another business outside politics and will be focusing my full attention to- there. He wrote an email. Um, the fundraiser, Mike Gula, didn't specify his new line. Julia Gulia did not specify Julia. his new line of work in the email. But in an interview, he said he'd started a new company selling medical equipment that's been in short supply during the coronavirus pandemic. That company was formed the Monday before this article in Delaware yep. and says they're going to sell N95 respirator max masks and offer a wide selection of personal protective equipment and other hard to find medical supplies to beat the outbreak asked how he'd managed to procure such equipment when there are such shortages in hospitals across the company and across the country gula said i have relationships with a lot of people what the hell does that mean right there are already people out (coughs) excuse me (coughs) there are absolutely already people out there who are going to take every opportunity they can to well, capitalize at, on this. I mean, even the president himself has said that, you know, we need to be trying hydroxychloroquine. Well, countries around the world and doctors around the world have stopped giving it to patients because it causes immediate heart problems in almost half the patients they give it to. Right. You know, it's, but the reason why is because he has a vested uh, fiscal interest in one of the, one of the manufacturers of it, and without any medical evidence or clarification or anything, just ordered twenty eight million doses of it. Why? Because he's going to get paid. Right. So with, with with no with no support for it really working at all. In fact, also you know everything evidence saying quite the contrary that it will work. You know that it actually makes things worse. You know, like the Z pack, great that you know that can be helpful. But where this hydroxychloroquine thing come from? You know what I mean? Like, right. and he's just run with that. That's been like his cure. Like I said the other day, somebody that I had a discussion with at work, and I know this seems sounds far fetched, but. In a conversation that was overheard between him, this person that I'm talking about, and the president of the United States, that was the word that he was given. Take hydroxychloroquine and take a pack. You're going to be fine. Wow. Like, that is literally from the lips of Donald Trump via FaceTime to this particular individual and to my ears. Yo. Hmm. That's crazy, man. Yeah. That is absolutely insanity. Like complete and total utter insanity. I know that there's a whole like a lot of people trying to uh, get the black community community together to try to stop the spread of misinformation about that. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, no kidding, man. There, there I felt is... like that was I felt like that was a, a headline for like two days. It was just like uh, the African American population is doomed with re- with regard to the the coronavirus. If you're a black guy, you're good as dead. And you're like, what in the hell is the media like? They are really sensationalizing this, and then it stopped. Well, they don't talk the, about I mean, that the, anymore. The, the administration did the same thing. They came out and it in almost God and almost in a with an attitude of like they felt bad. Said that the you know uh, people of color were being disproportionately you know, affected by this. Um, right. And a lot of it had to do with underlying health issues. A lot of it had to do with income. A lot of it had to do with obesity. Um, but it's just, you know, I mean, they, they made a big deal about it too. Um, 
Yeah. So, I mean, it, and it is a big deal, you know, like it's crazy that it's, a, that this is, I don't know, the whole thing's crazy to think about where we, where we were, man, like I said, that the interview that I watched with Dr. Fauci from February 29th till now, six weeks later, and to see how much has changed in this, in these last six weeks and the, the attitude that people have and how everything has just flipped on its ear is mind boggling. And to think mm-hmm. what it's going to be like six weeks from now. When, I mean, we have four more weeks of this lockdown. So a week after that, a week after we get, you know, these restrictions are uh, quote unquote, apparently going to be somewhat lifted. What is the world going to be like then? Uh, You know, I didn't think the world could change so fast, so quickly. Um, Even after 9-11, didn't seem like things really changed for a while. Like it seemed like there was a long time where, you know. We were just watching TV for two weeks and then everybody got back to work and nothing really right. happened until December and then something happened, you know, and then then the same thing happened for a really, really long time and it's still going on. You know, this is, th- this is unprecedented. This is, comp- I mean, it's not because it happened a hundred years ago, but it's just still crazy that the, you know, but everything it's almost so fast. But I think that's, there's such a difference in who people you know, like the, when I say people, I mean like capital P people were a hundred years ago versus who we are today of and course. how information, you know, was disseminated sure. and traveled. Like the, the media has just absolutely turned this into a shit show. Um, and, and I think human beings have, have done it too. Like you, taking something that you read, you know, you hear on the news as gospel is, I mean, that's your own fault. Yeah. You know, you, you need to develop a mind for yourself and have a conversation with people like you and I do, you know, like right. talk through it just because it was printed in a headline doesn't mean that it was anything. I, I know that there has been like, I, I keep bringing it up too, is there's been a big focus on journalism in general, you know, journalism used to be people that delivered facts. Now they're people that spin headlines and that's their only job, right. uh, you know, to deliver it in a way that makes you want to come back and eat at that, you know, eat from that buffet or, mm-hmm. um, you know, or consume from that, that particular, uh, Avenue that that's the only intent now. So mm-hmm. they, they spin these narratives to, to cater to a certain demographic or whoever, whatever. And, and it, people, Oh, well, I heard it on Fox news or I heard it on CNN or I heard it on Al Jazeera. So it must be true. And you're like, no, like that was literally the, the creative device of one man or woman or one team of men and women that, that spun it to mean what they wanted. They thought might look Absolutely. a little more attractive. Absolutely. I mean, if you really start paying attention to headlines, they're kind of funny. Like half of them don't, like grammatically make any sense no, no. <laughs> you know like the the one today that you know about dr fauci being fired um it was like trump retweets right recalls retweet of blah blah and you're like wait he reread something he re did something and then he redid it again that doesn't do those cancel each other i'm really confused right now what is fauci fired or what man <laughs> i know that you know, he's just, i you know honestly i wouldn't be surprised um just because i know that i think tomorrow trump is supposed to announce some sort of new medical team like i don't know if i, I did not get clarification whether it was supposed to be in addition to or to replace the current team but i know there's going to be more people announced to be on you know, this task force thing or whatever tomorrow. Well, the task force is shifting gears. 
they're or they're expanding to be focused on uh, the government or the economic recovery. Um, right. So you, you obviously have the medical task force as we know it right now, but that task force is going to expand to so they can roll out how you know the economy will reopen and the government will reopen you know accordingly. So I I know that that's a big piece, but and they just spun this whole Fauci thing completely out of control. I've been watching it lately, and he hasn't been fired. He no, but he no, was he was very candid. He he straight up said he goes if he pretty much. I mean, my Cliff's notes of it, my sensa- sensational headline of it was that he said, um, you know, if people would have listened to me sooner and we could have reacted differently and we would have had a different outcome is right. essentially, but he was, and it got spun to me to sound like Trump blatantly ignored the advice, you know, what came from Fauci right. and said that it, it was completely papers. irrelevant. Yeah. It sells more papers. And I agree. The media has done. Yeah, God, you, you don't even know who to trust. You know what I mean? Right. Like, you know, I don't, <laughs> I kind of agree with Trump. I don't really read the Bloomberg stuff a whole lot. Uh, right. Yeah. <laughs> just because, I mean, that, I mean, that seems like a conflict of interest just on its own. Um, just even existing uh, as a news source to me. Um, and that, I mean, and that's it? what I mean. And that's what I mean, though, that like, right. I appreciate Trump at least trying to call, you know, news BS. I, I I think he, he's, he's bad in his timing with that when it comes to, you know, talking about election based stuff, but when he's kind of standing up to reporters for, um, you know, claims related to this, I kind of get like, I'm, I'm proud of him as a president in that regard. It's like, good. Finally, somebody will say, Hey, I'm not going to answer that question because that question's bullshit. I guess what I don't like is whenever reporters ask a question, and then they literally are quoting him and he says, I didn't say that or that's not what I meant yeah. or something like that. And it's like, well, but, so what, that's what I'm asking you for then. Like, I would love it if you would clarify, but suddenly that's a nasty question. And, right, you know, right, it's, right. it's obvious what he's doing. He's just deflecting something that he said before that was either ignorant, uninformed, or maliciously stated, which I do believe he's probably made some intentionally malicious statements because he does have, he does gain from this. He does gain. We haven't even talked about the mail-in ballot postal service thing. Like, my God, I don't even oh, know yeah. how to, I don't even know how to talk about that. I mean, he's taken a hypocritic stance on that. Um, you know, there, he, he gets upset about, you know, God, he was the first one to throw any, you know, throw criticism at Obama. And as soon as somebody hurls the slightest pebble at him, he loses his mind. I mean, it's, it's so ridiculous. Um, yeah. Right. Some, some questions are loaded. Some questions are baited. Or, or are just bait. But the ones that are like, look, we're just trying to clarify something you said, man. Like, this is right, what right. you said. And he'll interrupt them and throw them under the bus and say that they're nasty and they're, they're yeah, a I'm disgrace. Not, I'm, not saying, I'm not saying he's been perfect. But I, the fact that he's... I don't, I've never seen anybody in any position of power try to, um, to devalue the, the message that was being delivered by the media before. Like nobody's ever challenged the media, I guess is a better way to say that. And I mean, they're challenging him. So it's, it, it's an ugly war going back and forth between him and the media and they, everybody ends up looking stupid and foolish. But the fact that somebody finally said, what you're reporting is you're just stirring the pot. Like I, I personally find value in that because like I said, everybody has a responsibility to, to choose the truth and to interpret it for what they think it is. And if you're not, if you're not evaluating the information that's being given to you, uh, or at least having a conversation with somebody to beat it up and pick it apart, you're you're 
you're shortchanging yourself. Um, you know, the type of people that are probably listening to this podcast are definitely open-minded to other perspectives and they're seeking, you know, the truth for what they interpret it to be. Um, but I think that, I think it kind of starts with being able to call BS right out the gate. And that's, that's the one piece of, of Trump that I've never seen anybody else do that. I've never seen George Bush or, you know, or any president that's, that was a, in office during my lifetime, just shun the, the media right. and say, you're, you're asking me a question that you're trying to bait me into saying something that's going to get me in further trouble Despite the fact that they, they, he argues back and it turns into a thing, but it's just, I've just never seen anybody. Well, no, no, politicians have disagreed and had issues like that with the media before. They just say it in a much more diplomatic way. They say things things that, well, hold on a second. Like, that's not what I said. Or I think you're taking that out of context. And they're not just like, you're a disgrace. You know, there's a big difference between (laughs) between those two. And you have a bad haircut. The back and forth between the media and any politician is always like that and they will say things like well that's not what i said or whatever they just don't you know verbally rebuke or admonish you know to such you know almost like on a personal level those people because it's not necessary those people are doing a job whether the job they're doing is good or not is up for debate and what their the results they're looking for can also be you know considered to be up for debate but trump but knows you have this. to be trump but you knows have to be exactly an educated, what that is but you have to be an educated and experienced person to <laughs> to watch and read through the subtleties of the way another president would do it my 6-year-old son could probably sit down and watch him and go ooh that wasn't nice <laughs> <laughs> Look, I agree with you, but what I'm saying is that media knows, or Trump knows how the media operates. He should be a oh, little yeah. more smooth with going. I mean, he's been in the media for 50, 50 years now, you know? Um, he should have a, a he if he's so smart, he should have a smarter way of dealing with that, I think. Um, oh, even though I think what, I don't I think, think it's very but presidential. But I think what he does is intelligent because that's what his, that's what his, constituents want to see of him is somebody who tough and drain a swamp and all that kind of stuff you know what i mean like right. that that they that blows his constituent skirt up completely and totally i mean it is a full frontal and you know i i don't agree with that but you know he doesn't really have the best acumen to dealing with that kind of thing or dealing with that kind of stress i mean and i think that really upsets a lot of people who uh, would prefer more eloquence because they're used to an Obama or even a Bush to some degree. I mean, at least that guy kind of was soothing, you know, like he just kind of had a thing and, you know, every now and then some guy would throw a shoe at him, but you know, it was fine. Um, (laughs) But, you know, once again, if there was a, if there was a little bit more unity, like I, I hate to keep talking about that, but if there was a more unified message that you know, where all the governors and the federal government were all on board, the same they were all on the same page, or it at least looked like there was an attempt for everybody to be on the same page, speaking the same language, agreeing on at least some semblance of a plan moving forward. I think that you would have less of that in the media if it was truly, you know, if this if this wasn't going to be a political issue, then it would be great for someone like Trump or even the turtle Mitch McConnell to come out and say, look, we are making concessions on this. The Democrats are making concessions on that. Um, we're all going to come together on this. We're really putting politics aside. We're not going to have anything this to do with everybody's that. best interest. All, yeah. All the governors agree, or there's a, um, 
you know, a quorum of governors who agree, you know, 35 out of 50 or whatever agree with this, you know, or 35 of the most populous states, you know, whatever. Like, then I think there would be a lot more, I, I think there'd be a lot less of the media trying to make a bad guy out of somebody because everybody's working together. You can't throw shit at everybody. You can only throw shit at a few people because A, there's only so much shit and B, you can't hit everybody. You're going to have people who've slipped through the cracks, you know, trying to do it that way. And plus you won't be throwing shit because everybody's together and we're all unified for a purpose. So that's, that's the issue I see with it. That's the issue I see with the media. It's not the media's fault that they're doing what they're doing. The media is they're they're there to get they're supposed to be there to collect information and present facts but they don't and we know they don't so it's hard to blame the media because we have fueled the media to ask we've asked them to create bigger ratings because we tune into things that are more shocking or more you know more attention grabbing you know headlines that are more attention grabbing we have asked them to do that you know um subconsciously you know right. and and so that's what they're providing so you can't blame the media you can because they you know they they've been doing some harm but they also that's what they do um what you can do is you can blame leadership administrations be it federal or at the state level for not getting together and just working together and all having a common plan and putting everything else aside and stop trying to just knee-jerk react to this thing and actually come up with something but it but doesn't seem like these, that's happening but you have all these career politicians that that's all they know how to do is to be politicians you know that the first stimulus package including you know things that were completely unrelated like i won't even say what they are cuz i don't want to like right. get into a pissing match over what's right and wrong with you know left and right you know agendas but the fact that it included anything not related to the coronavirus period should it it, why are we why hey can somebody tear this page out of here it doesn't have any involvement right it it has nothing to do with this i I agree why like i'm i'm not advocating for or against i'm not gonna get down that that lane but like why did the coronavirus stimulus package have any mention of abortion and planned parenthood in it right completely unrelated yeah completely unrelated i agree there's no reason i mean and that's just the tip of the iceberg there was all well, we better take the career politicians out of it then and put in jared kushner because he can definitely do it <laughs> you know i mean that's what that's the other thing too is it's like right. okay so if you take it out of it then you still have like this nepotism thing that seems to be or you know uh, the, the the first degree of nepotism the second degree of nepotism you know coming into play here like that doesn't seem like anybody's doing anything extremely intelligently that's what right drives and you would be crazy and wouldn't it be great you know all this talk of unity wouldn't it be great if there were you know like a world like something like the world health organization was i mean i don't we could get into a whole conversation about that about how that was mismanaged as well but um you know like a world level organization to sit there and say, Hey, we are here to address how a way forward with this. Like this is in the interest of saving human lives, despite what your political affiliation with is your race, your creed, any, you know, any of that kind of stuff. Uh, wouldn't it be great if that's what it was, but it wasn't. So then you narrow down to the national level and you're like, wouldn't it be great if we could do that? And we can't even do it there. And that's where I kind of fall back to what i said you know it really it does kind of it narrows everybody's focus down to a local level of your personal network whether it be your next door neighbor or your your buddy that lives across the country in california you know to to unify 
that group of people together as best you can to help promote the ideas and beliefs uh, and approach that you think is going to be the most successful outcome so that whenever they make premature decisions to turn on the government and reopen the economy and all that good stuff, uh, maybe some of us are going to have a little bit more of a reserved approach as opposed to running out like maniacs and then you know, further perpetuating the problem. Buying up all the shit. That's my, that's my, my romantic little view of it all though. It is quite romantic, Corey. Unfortunately, I think it's not seated in reality. (laughs) I mean, it is, is. it 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 totally is. I just think that for a majority of people, it's, it's as things get worse and as, you know, once again, all it takes is one little, it's going to take one linchpin. We've already been crippled here. You know what I mean? Like it just kind of takes like one more, pretty big thing like right you know the closing uh, or not the closing but a restriction of a food any sort of food industry or a restriction of any sort of trucking industry or i don't even know cable providers suddenly not being able to provide all the access because the nfl does announce that they're going to get you know they're going to postpone their season and a third of people do cancel and suddenly they don't have enough money coming in to service problems uh, you know service any sort of problems that come up or right. even take care of their customers you know and then you're going to have what if food prices do go up what happens man all it takes is one little thing to really set this campfire into you know we're burning down you know the forest right um and hopefully it doesn't get as bad as it did in Australia you know what i'm saying like it's it's there's there's no way to know i'm i'm through all you can do is wait i mean i'm definitely frightened because i think any sane person probably isn't you know should be frightened i I did speak to um i spoke to my financial advisor the other day and boy he was not frightened at all he's also a he's also a pretty conservative a politically conservative guy um, so in his mind, he thinks that, you know, we're going to go up and down a little bit until by Christmas, we're all going to be out, you know, putting presents under the tree. Um, but that's a pretty, pretty positive outlook on this whole right. thing. Um, I think so too. It's, that's pretty, it's pretty positive. Um, I just I'm think there's not- too much unknown about what, about the way humans are going to interact with each other moving forward to, to think that optimistically yet. Yeah, no, I I agree. I, I think our value systems and our tolerance for what we're willing to subject ourselves and our loved ones to is going to change enough that I don't know what gifts I want to put under the tree because are those hobbies and interests going to remain the same or are those needs uh, going to remain the same moving forward? I don't I don't think that we're there yet. You know how like every year if there's somebody you don't like in your family or in your friend group or work group, like you have to get them a gift, but you don't want it to be too good. So you get them toilet paper. (laughs) (laughs) I've never bought people toilet paper for Christmas. Uh, Isn't that kind of like buying like a a soap on a rope? It's like an insult. Yeah. Buy somebody like hygiene items because it it implies that they smell. (laughs) Pretty popular thing to do to people that, you know, you aren't fond with, but you can also say, well, I got you something. Um, that's going to go out the window this year. Um, yeah. Which I thought was it's just a little, just a little, uh, the lighter side of COVID-19. Um, yeah. Well, we did it again. Know, we did it. We, we, did we, it. we have done it again. We've done it again. We went an hour and 20 minutes. We have no answers. Uh, and uh, we're not any I have closer fewer to answer, any I have fewer answers now than when we started, to be honest with you. I think. Yeah. 
It, I have more questions, actually. I'm just um, hungrier now. Yeah, I am starving. Um, so we'll beat it up again because it's this is like the only thing that I look forward to. <laughs> yeah, because work is like eh, I I can't go out and and interact with people. So this is my interaction. So you're you're like my recess time. Well, hooray! I'm glad to. Adam's you're the only person in the world gym. who thinks that, by the way. So you what? You're the only person in the world who thinks that, by the way. So well, Aww. at least there's somebody. At least. <laughs> It's true. All right. Well, I'm glad we did it. Glad we did yep. it again. TTYL. TTYL, buddy. <laughs> <laughs>